with the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. Back to throw is Darnold, looks left, has time, looks over the middle, fires one down the left sideline, towards the end zone, Robbie Anderson, he's got it, that's a Jet touchdown. Darnold takes the snap, looks right, throws right, up the middle, he's got the ball, pal, in stride at the 15, at the 10, he's into the end zone, that's a Jet touchdown. Sam Darnold hit him in stride. Winning a Super Bowl is everyone's goal. Everyone on the team wants to win a Super Bowl. Anything short of that is a failure. And whatever my role is, I'm going to start in that role to work us towards that Super Bowl. One, two, three! This is the Gang Green Nation Podcast with Michael Bay. Little homie, when it rains it pours, how tips and talents, when it rains it pours. Sam Darnold. Gonna miss this Sunday's game against the Bills with a foot injury, and based on the way he reacted after a late sack against the Dolphins off of a bad snap from Spencer Long, it seems like this could be an injury that potentially has Darnold out for an extended period of time. He has a boot on his foot right now. That's the reports out of practice, but anyway, welcome back to the Gangree Nation podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nania, and I just want to talk a little bit about the state of this team and this game and what it's like now that it's week 10 and we're already in kind of a neutral rooting interest kind of mode. It's a game where the Jets are already out of the playoff hunt. Their realistic hopes are out the window unless you think that they're going to win seven games to end the season. They're not in the playoff hunt. Uh, you got a coach who most people would agree probably isn't the future of this team and Winning games obviously does not help the prospects of getting him out the door and getting a new coach in. So it's an interesting place that Jets are in as a Jets fan watching these games to where now you don't have your young quarterback in who you want to actually see win games and become a winner and gradually ease himself into the league and build momentum and show promise. All those things that when the team is bad like this in the game of football and you talk to Bills fans, Browns fans, whoever it is. Cardinals fans this year it's the young quarterbacks are what keep you going what keeps you watching and without Darnold in there it's tough Josh McCown's going to be back and I think that in terms of this year yes McCown is probably an upgrade over Sam Darnold so I do think there are some things that you could see positive on the offensive side of the ball with McCown returning I think Robbie Anderson has a great chance to potentially get back on track the rapport that those two guys had last year was phenomenal. Josh McCown really got his deep ball going with Robbie Anderson last year. McCown was among the league leaders in deep touchdowns last year, and Robbie Anderson, when playing with Josh McCown, was on pace for an 1,000-yard season. Following the first couple weeks of the season, the paces Anderson was on in terms of his touchdown production, his yards per target, yards per game, after those first couple weeks of the season, once he started to get going with McCown, Anderson was in some pretty exclusive groups with his production in the receiving department. So I think this is a good opportunity for Robbie Anderson to get going. I think that Anderson has had definitely a season that's not on the level that he had last year, but I do think that there have been quite a few games this year, quite a few plays where Anderson has been open deep, but Darnold just in general this season has been pretty hesitant to attack downfield. And I think Anderson has been the guy who has seen his numbers taking the biggest hit playing with Darnold due to his his erratic accuracy down the field, 
his inconsistency reading the field, making some poor decisions, sometimes checking it down when he should be attacking deep and vice versa, taking contested deep shots when there are things underneath. And also with Anderson, I think he's not he's not a yak guy, and the Jets have tried to get him some touches underneath to get him going. They gave him a handoff this week, actually, against Miami. He's not a yak guy. He's skinny. He doesn't really break tackles. And his speed, he's a straight-line runner. Uh, as a go-route guy, he's one of the best in the league. He can get open deep against anybody. He's a top deep threat, but in terms of what he could do with the ball in his hands, he's not good at that, really. Compared to the rest of the league, he's not one of the top yak guys, not a creator with the ball in his hand. So I think that has, and the two fumbles earlier in the year definitely got a lot of Jets fans on his bad side. So I think that Darnold not hitting him deep has definitely made Anderson look a lot worse than he really is. And I do think as a blocker, contrary to his frame, just what you would think out of a guy as small as he is, skinny as he is, as light as he is. He's been a pretty good blocker this season. I think he puts in a good effort as a blocker consistently. So I think that his he's looked a lot less valuable than he really is because of playing with Darnold and some of the struggles he's had downfield. I think long-term, Darnold will definitely get that going. As we saw in the Denver game and right off the bat in the Detroit game, Darnold can throw those balls down the field when he gets himself set, when the protection is good. Uh, when he's been aggressive and in a rhythm, he's thrown some really good balls down the field. Arm strength is not an issue with him at all. It, that was one of the questions with Darnold, but I don't think arm strength is a problem with him. We've seen him throw balls 50, 60 yards down the field, no problem this year. So long-term, I'm not worried about that connection. I think deep ball throwing is one of the things that one of the things that is toughest for rookies to get going in their first seasons just because of the problems with adjusting to the quicker time of snap to throw in the NFL, adjusting to NFL pressure. It's tough to get that going down the field. So long-term, I'm not worried about that. But I do think Anderson's value in the eyes of fans and observers takes a hit because of his statistical drop-off. But I do think he still has a lot of value as a blocker. I think teams respect his deep threat a lot, and that opens up a ton of other production for his teammates underneath and himself. But I think with Josh McCown coming back, that there is an opportunity for Anderson to break out, get some confidence going, because I will say this about Anderson. I think that he is the kind of guy who, when he's not getting involved in the offense, you see kind of sag off of this effort a little bit. And that's not a positive thing at all. It's something that he has to improve with, but some guys are just like that. And I think Anderson is that kind of guy. So I think in this Miami game, uh, like I said earlier, There have been some games this year, I think the Cleveland game, the Jacksonville game in particular, games where Anderson has been open deep. And also the first Miami game, uh, Anderson had a pretty good job running routes but didn't have the production to show for it. There have been games where Anderson has gotten himself open but hasn't matched it with production because of Darnold. But I don't think this last Miami game uh, in South Florida was one of those. I think Anderson, he didn't see the ball thrown his way a lot, and I think he kind of had some lazy routes in that game. So anyway, with Anderson, I think he's a chance to get back on track, maybe get some confidence going. And maybe once Darnold does return, uh, more confident, productive, uh, hotter Robbie Anderson with Josh McCown in the lineup. So I do think Anderson is one of the things I'll be looking for with McCown in the lineup. But outside of Anderson, I'm interested to see McCown in a Noonwalk connection. That's something we didn't see last year with Quincy Noonwalk missing the whole season. So I'm interested to see how those two guys do together because Quincy's a guy who in 2016 
was extremely productive on that go route. His passer rating when targeted on go routes that year was actually higher than Robbie Anderson's in 2017, obviously at a much lower volume. It's not something that Anunua did a lot in 2016, but when he did do it, he was really, really good catching balls down the field. So maybe with Josh McCown back, the Jets get a little more aggressive on offense, try to open it up, get their receivers to get some confidence going, especially Anunua and Anderson. And I do think that Darnold being out and McCown coming back isn't really an excuse for the Jets to finally open things up per se, because I do think this last Dolphins game was probably the number one game in which I've been the most critical of the play calling. There were a ton of really questionable calls in terms of just not getting guys down the field. And Brian Baldinger, who does great breakdowns on Twitter at BaldyNFL, he does a ton of great breakdowns. He's really great and a lot of fun to watch his videos too. But he called out the Jets quite a bit with some of their play calling. There were there was a second and ten play where they called where they had five wide, five guys ran five yard button hooks. It a lot of questionable calls like that in this game. And I haven't criticized the play calling a lot this year, but this loss to the Dolphins, I think, was one of the worst play calling outings for Jeremy Bates. And Bates isn't working with a lot this year, but I definitely think that there have been some instances where he's gotten really conservative, really predictable. So, I mean, like I said, I don't think going from Darnold to McCown is an excuse per se to now finally get the offense going. But I do think with McCown, having him in there, he's fresh. Obviously, he's a veteran. He's one of the smartest guys in the league at the position. Having him out there, maybe we could see a more complete version of Bates' offense. So that's another thing I'll be looking for. And Hopefully, once Darnold does return, whatever they do with Josh McCown, if they do have success with McCown in the lineup, hopefully Bates can carry over some of those things to when Darnold returns. Um, Before we wrap this up, just a few more things I want to talk about. Uh, Over the past couple days, I've released my weekly offensive line stats series and coverage stats series at Gangree Nation, in which I go back and review the film and chart the coverage numbers and coverage for the Jets, individual yards, receptions, first downs, passer rating allowed for individual Jets, and also the offensive line looking at pressures allowed, hits, sacks for not just the offensive line, but the running backs, receivers, tight ends as well. So I went back and looked over the Miami game, got my weekly additions out of those two series, and I'll start with the offensive line. Wasn't really a positive performance for them. Uh, Over 43 protection snaps, I charted them with a 41.9% pressure rate, which is above the league average of 35%, about the number you want to be around in an average game, and their second highest of the season behind the Jacksonville game. And the main culprits were Spencer Long, had another rough game, gave up a hit and a pressure. And for some perspective, for centers, ideally you don't want your center to give up any pressure in a given game. The best centers in the league give up single-digit pressure numbers over the entirety of the season, even Wesley Johnson, as bad as he was last year, uh, he only gave up around 20 pressures over the course of the season, and Long is on pace to smash that, so he's really struggled. Uh, Jonathan Harrison, actually, in re- in relief of Long and 12 protection snaps, didn't give up any pressure, but obviously the main issue of this game was the snapping, and I posted an article in Gangrene Nation this week. Long had 15 inaccurate shotgun snaps, in that game, which is absurdly terrible. It's just awful. You got to think that in the average game, how many errant shotgun snaps are there in the average football game, whether it's NFL, college, even high school, how many errant shotgun snaps are there in a game? Maybe one at most. So 
15 in a game is just incredible. And I think that it, it just goes back to Bowles and his decision to leave him in there. Just completely indefensible. But uh, Darnold had 13 passing plays on bad shotgun snaps in that game. And on those plays, Darnold threw for 2.3 yards per attempt and took three sacks. And on the plays in which the snaps were fine or he threw from under center, Darnold threw for 7.1 yards per attempt and only took one sack. So you're talking about Darnold's production being pretty much cut into a third or worse on those bad shotgun snaps. So it shows you how much how much of an impact those have. So offensive line, that was the main issue. Uh, Brandon Shell had a rough game. He gave up a season high seven pressures. But the thing with Shell is that I talked about in the last podcast, the last time that Shell had a rough game in pass protection was week four in Jacksonville. And he bounced back from that and was phenomenal over the next four weeks. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on Shell to see if he could do that again and bounce back from this rough game and continue to be one of the bright spots on this offensive line. Uh, Brian Winters, he had five total pressures, three of those sacks. Darnold was sacked four times, and I blamed three of those on Winters. He just continues to struggle. I think that the Jets can move on from Winters. They can cut him after this year without any dead money. I think they absolutely need to do that. Uh, they could also do that for Spencer Long, cut him without any dead money. And James Carpenter is a free agent. So I think the Jets will would be best served to move on from those three guys in the interior, uh, restart at those three positions, and at left tackle – they need to, I think they should stick with Kelvin Beecham, uh, not cut him. He's under contract. So stick with him and rebuild the interior. So looking at the coverage, it was a great performance from the Jets all around. They gave up only 3.7 net yards per pass attempt in this game, which was the lowest that they've allowed since their win over the Dolphins in London in 2015. And it was great across the board. Uh, Buster Screen, one first down, five targets. Jamal Adams, was 10 yards, no first downs on three targets. Darren Lee is only targeted once. He's phenomenal. So across the board, it was a great performance in coverage for the Jets. But to finish this one out, a quick podcast today. Uh, I, I just got to talk about Bulls a little bit. After the game on Monday, on Monday, Bulls, said that he was unaware of any injury with Darnold. And today, on Wednesday, the news comes out that he's in a boot. He's missing this game this game Sunday with a foot injury. And for the injury to be announced on Wednesday that he's going to miss the game, it's obviously pretty serious. And you look at some of the hits Darnold took in that game, it's not surprising at all. And it's actually kind of funny. I mentioned Brian Baldinger earlier. He called out the Jets for... The way that they've treated Darnold, the way that they've protected him, the, the help that they've given him, and actually said that they're going to get him hurt, and it turns out that Darnold did get hurt. So, in fact, let's take a listen to what Brian Baldinger said regarding the Jets and their protection of Sam Darnold. Take a listen. You can't let this 21-year-old kid go on the road and take these hits. His helmet's off. Look at this. I mean, that's your future right there. It's third and eight in a six to three game. You're better off quick kicking than putting that kid in that position. Honestly, like, I can't look at this. I know he didn't play great in the second half, but how much is it the team right here around him for crying out loud? So there you go. It's it's just getting out of hand with Bulls. He, he has no control over this team. His decisions are just getting completely more and more indefensible each week and now it's he's just he's hurting his quarterback quite literally and figuratively he's making life tough for Sam Darnold and now he's made a decision or a lack of a decision 
that has Darnold physically injured, and it's just not good for this team. So things are getting tough, but we're going to hang in there, and we're going to keep talking Jets every single week. Make sure to continue to follow along with me here with the Gangrene Nation podcast each and every week. The This is the Jet Life podcast also debuted this week, part of the Gangrene Nation podcast network. Make sure to check that out. And, of course, continue to follow along with me here at the Gangrene Nation podcast. Uh, Jets and Bills this Sunday trying to hang in there, I guess, if you don't want to watch it. I can't blame you at all, but I'll be back again to talk some more Jets at some point this week. Talk to you then. This has been the Gangrene Nation podcast. Make sure to follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nanya and keep up with everything Jets at GangreenNation.com. Look at this kid. Look at this kid. Come on. Help him. Help him. Stop. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.